in honor of Kinro Kansha no Hi uh, and the upcoming Thanksgiving celebration, I thought that it would be good for us to take some time this morning to see what the Word of God has to say about the topic of Thanksgiving. We are going to read and study from Psalm 92 this morning. And so go ahead and start making your way there. You know, most people are looking forward to seeing 2020 in the rearview mirror. Um, we're ready to be done with 2020. Uh, global pandemics have a way of putting a damper uh, upon life and circumstances. But despite how bad the year may have been, if we pause and we think about it, there is still much that we have to be thankful for. Okay, God is still on the throne, and he is still at work in our lives. And I'm sure that if we give it a shot, okay, we could think of a number of great things that have come our way this past year. And I want to encourage you to look back upon the year and to think of those things that you can be thankful for. I have no doubt that we all have something to be thankful for, even in a year that has been as rotten as 2020, okay? This morning, we're going to get into the book of Psalms. Now, remember that the book of Psalms is basically a song book, uh, and, and we're going to look at the first part of Psalm 92, which really is a song of thanks, and that's the title of our message this morning, A Song of Thanks. And so I'm going to ask you at this time, for those who are with us, will you please stand in honor of God and his word as I read through our text this morning. Uh, for those of you who are at home, I want to encourage you, go ahead and stand now. Uh, even if you're in your kitchen or your living room, wherever you're at, it, it gives you an opportunity to feel like an active participant in our service this morning. Okay? Everyone there? Psalm 92. Okay? Our text this morning is going to be the first five verses of the psalm. And so I'll read in my Bible, follow along in your own. The sweet psalmist writes the following in verse 1 of Psalm 72. It actually has a little header at the beginning. It says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord. And to sing praises to your name, O Most High. To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. We're going to stop right there, okay? And let's pray and ask for God's blessings on our time this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this song that you've given to us. And Lord, I pray this would be a song of thanks that we sing from our hearts. Lord, as we think of the upcoming holiday of Thanksgiving and and we look back on maybe a year that we'd rather forget. Lord, I'm confident there are things that you would have us to sing your praises for. Even for the bad, what we call bad, Lord, we know that you even work it out for good. 
And so, Lord, we give you praise, and we do give you thanks, and we give you our service this morning. Lead us and guide us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. This morning, as we go through this psalm, we will make note of things pertaining to the topic of thanksgiving. For those of you who like to take notes, uh, we're going to note four main things about Thanksgiving in our text okay, this morning. We're going to look at uh, why we are to give thanks. Okay? We are to look at how we are to give thanks, what we can be thankful for, and who we should be thankful to. So let's dive right in to our text, Psalm 92, verse 1. It says, a psalm, a song for the Sabbath day. It is good to give thanks to the Lord and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Even before the very first verse of the psalm, we read that in the header that this psalm was a song for the Sabbath. The Sabbath, uh, as most of you all know, was to be a day of rest. Okay. The Lord established the Sabbath for the nation of Israel through Moses. The first mention of the word Sabbath is actually found in Exodus chapter 16, when Moses gave instructions to the Israelites regarding the manna the Lord provided them. The Lord explained to Moses that he would provide the manna each day, and on the sixth day, he would provide double so that on the seventh day, they could rest from their gathering. And later in Exodus uh, chapter 20, uh, where the Ten Commandments were recorded for us, the fourth commandment given uh, to Moses and the Israelites was to remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Exodus chapter 20, verses 9 through 11, it says, Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work, you nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath. And hallowed it. The Lord, he, he hallowed the Sabbath. Okay? He made it a holy day. A, a day set apart for God. And although the Sabbath was a day of rest, it didn't mean that you were supposed to just stay at home and do nothing. Okay? Uh, it was actually a day set apart for the Lord. Okay? A day to remember the Lord, a day set aside specifically for the worship of the Lord. Okay, and so uh, it was a time, as this psalm demonstrates, to sing praises to the Lord and to give thanks to God. You see, the Sabbath was a day not only for holy rest, but also holy works. Okay, holy work. And the proper work to be rendered unto God on the Sabbath was praise. 
Okay, it was praise. I know that we are no longer under the law, but the Sabbath, but I do believe that the principle of having time set aside for holy work, for praising the Lord to be something that we ought to have in our life even today. Look here at verse 1, when the psalmist declares, it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Here we note the who, okay? To whom are we thankful, okay? It is the Lord, okay? We must remember that when we do give thanks, that our thankfulness is directed to the Lord. You know, I actually grew up in a non-Christian family, and we celebrated Thanksgiving every year, and every year we would think of things to be thankful for. We would kind of go around the table and mention, hey, what are you thankful for this year? And we were thankful for family, uh, for a roof over our head, uh, for jobs, for food, for friends, for all sorts of things. But the interesting thing is that I don't ever recall considering who we were thankful to in our giving of thanks. Who are we thankful to? When we consider the many things we are thankful for, okay, later this week as we note those things, as we sit down around maybe the Thanksgiving dinner table, don't forget to remember who we are thankful to. I, I think that we have a tendency to focus on things that we are thankful for, and sometimes we forget who we are thankful to. And the danger in doing so is that we begin to misdirect our thanks. Okay, we can sometimes look at things in our life and, and we can actually come up with the thought and the idea that we actually had something to do with it. That, you know, I'm really thankful because I did this and I did that. And the scriptures actually teach us contrary. It tells us in James chapter 1 verse 17 that every good gift, every perfect gift is from above and it comes down from the Father of lights. You see, the good things that you have going in your life, they come from above. Okay? They are gifts from your heavenly Father. The roof over your head, the food on your table, they come from the Lord. Some of you may think those things are provided for you because of your job and your hard work. Okay? Uh, well, let me ask you this question. Who gives you the ability to work for a living. Is it not the Lord? Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 18 says, but remember that the Lord your God gives you the power to gain wealth. Okay? It isn't in your own power. It's God that gives you that power. In Ecclesiastes, Solomon in his great wisdom, he declared, here is what I have seen. It is good and fitting for one to eat and drink and to enjoy the good of all his labor in which he toils under the sun all the days of his life, which God gives him. For it is his heritage or his portion. As for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth and given him power to eat of it, to receive his heritage and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Okay? It is the Lord who has graciously given to you the ability to work, 
to, to even earn your livelihood, okay? We must make sure that our thanks is directed to the Lord. Give him thanks for all the blessings you have in life. Notice with me here as well that the psalmist declares that it is good to give thanks to the Lord. Here we note the first why. Why do we give thanks? Well, here the psalmist declares that it is a good thing for us to give thanks. It is a good thing for us to sing praise. Why do we give thanks? Because it is a good thing for us to do. Giving thanks is an action that we are to do. You know, oftentimes during this year, we may hear someone say or we may hear something, you know, on the TV or radio or something uh, along the lines about us having an attitude of gratitude. It kind of rolls together, right? Attitude of gratitude. And and that's good, okay? And while I would agree with that having an attitude of gratitude is a good thing, I would at the same time suggest to you that it is an incomplete thing. Simply having an attitude of gratitude without expressing gratitude, without verbalizing our gratitude, it falls short of what the Lord would have for us. We need to not just have an attitude of gratitude, but we need our actions, our words, to demonstrate that gratitude. Well, not only is it a good thing for us to do, it's just good for us as well. For when we come to the Lord and we praise him and we give him thanks, okay, it allows us to put things into a proper perspective. When we give thanks to God, we will often experience a peace and a contentment in the Lord. When we take time to praise the Lord, oftentimes our troubles and our difficulties have a way of of just fading into the background as we put our focus upon the Lord. And so it's good for us, it's good for our health, our spiritual health, that we give thanks, okay? It's something that we should do, and it's something that's good for us spiritually and physically in our health. Verse 1 finishes with, it says, and to sing praises to your name, O Most High. Here we note another why when it comes to our giving of praises. It is good to sing praises to the name of God. Now, when we consider what is meant by the name of God, we must not get that confused with the idea that we are just praising a name, a word, okay? Um, No, when we consider the name of God, we must consider the nature of God. God's name is equated to his nature, his attributes, his character. It is who he is. We sing praises to God with the understanding of who he is. We recognize and remember that God is all powerful. He is omnipotent. We recognize and we note that God is all-knowing, that he is omniscient, okay, that he is ever 
present, okay? Um, that God is love. That God is unchanging. That God is sovereign. That God is just and holy and righteous. That he is gracious. That he is long-suffering. That he is forgiving, Psalm 48, verse 10 states, According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. In Psalm 69, the psalmist affirms in verse 30, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. When we sing praises to his name, we take into account all of who God is and why we are so thankful to him. And so take time this week as you give thanks to consider and to praise God for who he is, to praise his wonderful attributes, his characteristics, his being. Well, Let's continue in our text. Take a look at verse 2 and 3. The psalmist writes, To declare your loving kindness in the morning and your faithfulness every night on an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmonious sound. Here we look and see how we are to praise God and how we're to give thanks to him. Verse 2 begins that we are to declare your loving kindness in the morning. The Hebrew word for loving kindness is used 245 times in the Old Testament scriptures. That's a lot, okay? 150 of those 245 times, the word is connected to mercies. And so we have this idea that loving kindness is equal to God's mercies. I'm reminded of Jeremiah's lamentation that declares through the Lord's mercies. Okay, it's the same word here described as loving kindness. Through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. His mercies, his loving kindness, they are new every morning. And so we are to declare them in the morning. I searched for a good example of what God's loving kindness looked like. And uh, if you've been with us on Wednesday night, you know that we're going through the book of Jonah. So it was fresh in my mind. And I thought uh, that it would be a fitting description to look at the book of Jonah. Most of you are probably aware of Jonah's story. Jonah was a prophet who was uh, declared, excuse me, one who declared the word of the Lord. And one day the word of the Lord came to Jonah telling him to go to the city of Nineveh. The Lord described Nineveh as a great city of wickedness and violence. And Jonah did something odd. He fled from the presence of the Lord and he got on a boat headed to Tarshish. No explanation is to get, uh, given to us at the time as to why Jonah did what he did. And you guys probably know what happened after that, right? A storm came. Jonah was thrown overboard, swallowed by a great fish, only to be vomited up upon dry land three days later and told yet again 
to go to the city of Nineveh. Jonah obeys this time. He goes to the city of Nineveh, half-heartedly declares to them, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Basically, his message was simple. You've got 40 days, and then you're done. 40 days, and then destruction. And an interesting thing happens, though. We read of how the city of Nineveh repents, believes upon the Lord, and proclaims a fast. The whole city covers themselves in sackcloth and hopes that God would relent and not bring upon them the destruction that Jonah spoke of. And God saw their works, we're told in Jonah chapter 3, verse 10, that they churned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. It's not until then we discover why Jonah left in the first place. The very next verses in chapter 4 reveal to us Jonah's heart stating, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. And so he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Here we see the picture of what God's loving kindness looks like. Here is a great city full of violence, full of wickedness, and yet God was merciful to them when they cried out to him. He was willing to look beyond their past failures their evil deeds, their idolatrous ways, and he was gracious and merciful to them, just like he has been for us. We cried out to him, and he was willing to look beyond our past failures and our evil deeds and our own idolatrous ways. And he was gracious and merciful toward us. Jonah knew the Lord was gracious and merciful, slow to anger, abundant in loving kindness. And although Jonah knew the Lord was abundant in loving kindness, he was not thankful for it. Don't let that be spoken of us. Don't let us fall into the same example as Jonah. Let us be those that declare and rejoice about the loving kindness of the Lord. That we would be ones that declare it in the morning as directed here in Psalms 92. Well, verse 2, it continues and speaks about how we are not only to declare God's, God's loving kindness in the morning, but also his faithfulness every night. Okay? God's faithfulness is without end. You can count on the faithfulness of the Lord. The promises of God will come to pass. We can be sure of that. Okay? He is faithful no matter what. Even when we are faithless, the scriptures assert and teach us that he remains 
faithful. That is a promise that we find in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23 exhorts us to hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. One great example of God's faithfulness being shown is in the life of Abraham. The Lord called Abraham away from his home and promised to him that he would be a great nation, that his blessings would be upon him, and that he would make Abraham's name great. In the ripe old age of 99, the Lord came to Abraham and declared to him, that he would be the father of many nations, that he would be exceedingly fruitful. God promised to Abraham that he would give him a son through his wife who was 90 years old and she had been barren up until that point, okay, for 90 years, never able to have a child. And God came and said, you're going to have a child at 90 years of age. And the scriptures tell us that Sarah bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. Abraham and Sarah trusted in God's faithfulness. Though it seemed impossible, they were able to trust in God's faithfulness and trust in his promises given to them through his word. You know, we have many promises of God that we would do well to remember, and to be thankful for. God has promised to supply every need that we have, according to Philippians chapter 4, verse 19, where it says, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. God has promised that his grace is sufficient, that it is more than enough for us. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. God has promised that he will never, ever leave us nor forsake us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. You see, all of God's promises, they are true. God is faithful. And at the end of each day, we should look back upon it and we should declare his faithfulness. As the psalm instructs us here. Lastly, we see through verse 3, another way in how we can praise God and give thanks to him. And very simply, we see it done through music and song. Music is something that we use as a tool to worship the Lord, to sing his praises and to give thanks for all that he has done. Psalm 98 declares, Shout joyfully to the Lord, all the earth, Break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. Sing to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of a psalm, with trumpets and the sound of a horn. Shout joyfully before the Lord, the King. Psalm 66 declares, make a joyful shout to God, all the earth. 
Sing out the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. Say to God, how awesome are your works. Through the greatness of your power, your enemies shall submit themselves to you. All the earth shall worship you and sing praises to you. They shall sing praises to your name. Psalm 100 starts out, make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. On and on and on, the Psalms go directing us to shout for joy, to make a joyful shout, to joyfully shout unto the Lord. Psalm 5, Psalm 32, Psalm 33, Psalm 65, Psalm 66, Psalm 81, Psalm 95, Psalm 98, Psalm 100, Psalm 132. All of them contain exhortations within them to shout for joy, okay? To shout with joy unto the Lord, our God, our King, and the rock of our salvation. Listen, we can all partake in this sort of praise. If you can't play a musical instrument, that's okay. All right? You can shout joyfully to the Lord. Okay? The only requirement is that it be a joyful noise. Okay? Not an on-key noise or a sweet-sounding noise or a beautiful noise. Just a joyful one. Okay? I like to see that I say that I sing in the key of J. Okay, it's joyful. Okay, that's I, I don't know any other key other than the key of J, and I just sing joyfully. And however it comes out is how it comes out. Okay? May I encourage you all to take time to sing His praises and to make a joyful noise to the Lord during your giving of thanks this week. And every day. Let's continue. Take a look at verse 4 and 5. It says, For you, Lord, have made me glad through your work. I will triumph in the works of your hands. O Lord, how great are your works. Your thoughts are very deep. The psalmist, in giving thanks, turns his attention to what we are to give thanks for. And namely, we are to give thanks for the works of God here in verses 4 and 5. Notice that when giving thanks, the focus is upon God's works and not our own. You see, because our works, they fall so short, so often, okay? They just don't measure up. According to Isaiah, our works, our own righteousness, they're like filthy rags. But God's works... They are praiseworthy. And I want to point out three things that the psalmist declared about God's works here. First, number one, we see that God's works made the psalmist glad. And we, too, ought to be glad for the work uh, of God in our lives. And the idea here is that God's works caused the psalmist to rejoice, to be glad to delight in the Lord. You know, this year, perhaps the Lord has done some great things in your life that have made you glad. Perhaps this year was the year the Lord touched your life and brought salvation to you. You're a new believer, and you've got much to rejoice over this year. You know, 
Perhaps you aren't a new believer. You've been saved for some time now, but this year marked a loved one that responded to God's work of salvation in their life. That is something that we could rejoice over the work of God. I know that for some of you, God has brought you together in preparation for marriage. He's given you a helpmate that you can rejoice over. For some of you, he's given you beautiful new additions to your family, uh, loved ones, precious gifts from the Lord. There are many things that God has done in our life that ought to make us glad, that ought to make us rejoice even in 2020. Second, we see that through God's work, we have victory. So we need to be thankful for that victory. Through Christ's work upon the cross and his resurrection, we have been given victory over sin and death. Okay, no longer are we under the penalty of our sins. No longer are we under the law, condemned to death, but we are under grace because of God's work in us. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 55 through 57 proclaim, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is in the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, this in and of itself ought to be enough to praise him for all of eternity. (laughs) To know that we have been forgiven that we have been pardoned from our sin because of Christ's victory. Okay? That's enough to praise God for eternity. But there's another reason to give thanks, because not only does he give us victory over the penalty of sin, but he also gives us victory over this world. This world has all sorts of temptations and lures that try to bring us away from Christ. But God has given to us the faith needed to overcome the world. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4 tells us that whatever is born of God, it overcomes the world through God's work of making us his children. He gives to us the ability to overcome this world and all the temptations that come from this world. And so we can give thanks for that. Third and finally, okay, we see here that the works of God are great. They are great. Everything that God does is great. His works are excellent, and we need to give thanks for all of his works. Now, some of you, as you look back upon the year, perhaps you are reminded of some things that you would classify and that you would say, Those were not great. I know that I can do that. (laughs) You know, COVID and the pandemic and the restrictions and the just the social unrest, those are not great things. Okay. I know that many of you have suffered through heartache this last year. Some of you have lost loved ones that were very near and dear to your heart. And so perhaps when you look back upon this year, you don't categorize things as great in your mind. 
For those of you in such a situation, I want to encourage you to remember another one of God's promises. God promises to us in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, that all things, okay, the good, the bad, the ugly, okay, the 2020 year, all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. And even though at times, maybe even still right now, you may think that there's no way God would or could work out some of the situations you've gone through this year for good, that is exactly what God's word promises us. And we must find our hope in this promise. If you are a child of God this morning, if you love the Lord and have been called by the Lord into a loving relationship with him, he will work out these tough times for good. It is a promise of God. You may not see it now. You may not see it the rest of this year for some time. But God's promise still remains. He will work out all things for good. God has a plan for us, even during the difficult times, even during COVID, <laughs> the painful times, plans for our good, plans as Jeremiah states it, plans for a future and a hope. Church family, God's works are great. They bring to us victory and reason to rejoice and be glad. And we should remember to give thanks this year for God's great works. Amen? Amen. This week as we celebrate a time of thanksgiving, let's remember that it is a good thing to give thanks. Okay? That it is not only a good thing for us to do, but it's also something that's good for us, okay? It helps us in our walk with the Lord. It helps us put things into perspective. Also, let's make sure that we are properly directing, directing our thanks to the Lord. Hey, we can be thankful for a lot of things, but let's make sure we are directing that thanks to God. It is Him we are thanking. Let's sing praise to the Lord's name, remembering his nature and his attributes. Let's declare the Lord's loving kindness in the morning and his faithfulness at night. Not just this Thursday, but every day. Okay, Proclaim his mercies and his promises in your life each day and make a joyful noise to the Lord. And as we remember God's works and we give thanks for them, let us remember that they are great works that his works have given to us victory and they ought to make us glad. I pray each of you have a great Thanksgiving that is centered upon the Lord, that you stay safe, and that you enjoy this very special season. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this psalm that encourages us and directs us to give thanks, to remember your wonderful works, to remember who you are and all that you've done for us. Lord, I pray that 
we would be a people of thanksgiving. Not just tomorrow for the Japanese holiday, not just Thursday for the American holiday, but every single day we would give thanks. That we would thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Each, each morning we would thank you for that. And each night, Lord, we would look back and thank you for your thankfulness, for your, excuse me, faithfulness, Lord. We are truly a, a grateful and thankful people. We have much, much, much to be thankful for. And I pray that you would bring those things to memory this week. That we would not dwell upon the negative and, and the difficulties that have come this year and, and, and miss out on praising you and giving glory to you. So lead us and guide us and empower us by your spirit. We ask and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.